to the biggest edition of the same old podcast thus far. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Jack, joined by my esteemed colleague, co-host, and alumnus of that school down the road, uh, JP. JP, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right, Jack. It's going all right. Trying to adjust to this weather change, uh, getting ready for its, its, its hoodie weather, its sweater weather. Finally. Uh, which, is, uh, which is nice. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of it. Um, I know I don't like the hot, I don't like the heat. I don't like feeling too like sticky or humid. Um, I'm a fan of this, you know, this fall sweater weather, but being in Florida last week, it's a bit of an adjustment going from that to, uh, the drastic change up, up here, especially when it wasn't cold when I left. So it's been a bit of an adjustment, but we're getting used to it. We're just throwing on the hoodies and we're just gonna, we're just gonna make do, but, uh, how, how are things going with you? Well, great, great. It sounds like uh, it sounds like we're not going to be going to the bar in the morning anymore. Oh wow! You... Which I'm really did you complain? About. Did you compl- Did you complain and they changed, or did you just get lucky? No, I just stated the logistical difficulties of it because I was not the only one that was getting there Saturday. Like half the people were getting there Saturday, and they're all like, "Yeah, we don't want to get up at four a.m. to get there at six a.m. and be in the be in a line." For an hour to get into a bar. What bar are you gonna go to? We are gonna go to the Riv. I've never heard of that one. I think it's where they Is do that like a... Rama. What's that? It's like I think it's Thursday mornings or Wednesday mornings. It's like oh. Jersey Day at the bar. I don't know, but oh oh oh. Okay. But now we're doing a tailgate instead. Le- less expensive, less uh, less logistical issues and. Uh, more free food and more free drinks. So there you go. I mean, there you go. Are it, you? It really. Just are you driving? So you're you're not staying Friday night. You're going Saturday morning. Going tomorrow morning. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is Friday. The week has gone fast. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I will say I expected this week to like feel like it really dragged along, but I think this week went this week went by pretty quick. I felt like. Yeah, it definitely went by quick. Um, I've been traveling a lot this week both for work and coming back from Florida. So I've just felt like I've been all over the place and haven't had much time just to like sit down and do nothing. Right. So that's probably kind of, it's, it's, it's less, however, I've had plenty of time to listen to, uh, local sports radio. Well, not local, but Michigan sports radio and, and some of those podcasts where people preview the game amongst, it's a pretty good college football slate, honestly. Um, there's some other good games. So 
you know, I've, I got a chance to really uh, dive in and and get some knowledge and tidbits from the experts to to, mm. to help our betting, to help keep our betting picks right rolling along the right way. Because I mean, let's let's be honest. It's we, we had one, we had a good week, but we got to we got to show people it wasn't a fluke, right? You, know? you gotta you gotta show up the next week too. <laughs> yeah, you gotta show up. That we can't have a letdown week. You no. can't let them down. But yeah, it's uh, it's been definitely week has definitely gone fast. Definitely excited for tomorrow. Um, kind of just at this point, I'm glad it goes. I'm glad it didn't drag along because, like, all the rivalry week talk after you know a day or two gets just just in the media and on the radio, and you know, all the talking heads and pundits hearing them hearing them break it down after a couple of days kind of gets a little old. Yeah, um, it does because there's only so much you can say, and, and, and the hypotheticals just go crazy at some point where it's like, okay. Like let's just get this game over with, so we know where each team stands, and we know who was actually kind of a legit contender in the Big Ten. Not to, you know, not to say anyone's going to beat Ohio State because I think we both agree that's probably not going to happen. But who is, uh, I guess, who is the better team this year, and uh, kind of put the the rivalry talk to bed and just and just start playing and uh, just just get it sorted out with and kind of get the season season going. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, man. at this point, it kind of seems like a battle for second best in the Big Ten. I mean, Iowa's yeah. been kind I mean, of a disappointment fair. lately. Um, and, uh, I mean, Penn State, they pretty much cost themselves game day. Uh, yeah. They cost themselves, like, that that game being game day. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, that's obviously an awful loss. Right, but, I mean, uh, I will say, I, I think the local media does a better job of covering this game than national. I mean, national is just a joke, man. I mean, I mean, they do, but that's also like, like the national doesn't, but they don't really even, they don't even really, really even cover it. The local (laughs) media, the local media, that's not the like bought and paid for Michigan slappies. I think like the, like most of them, most of them are pretty objective. I think, I think they do a really good job covering it, but you know, you have like your Bob Wojnarowski's and, uh, like your Scott Bells of the world, and those people obviously do a terrible job. But most of the other people, I think, I think, I think do a pretty good job. At, yeah, uh, but I'm pretty sure. I think Scott Bell does it just to annoy people. I, I think mean, he's he like does, but I'm, he, I'm pretty sure he's taken over like a Michigan like Alex Jones type role, where he just says outlandish things that he's. I'm pretty sure he knows are not true. Yeah, just well, like this. But anyway, he's a joke. They, <laughs> that guy is such an idiot. He is so annoying. And yeah, I mean that's you know there's 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 that for every well, uh, Michigan fans are annoying. Well, there's that for every fan base. Yeah, but I think I think he takes it to a new level. Like yeah, he does. Like he, he doesn't. Does. Like I think most of most Michigan fans don't even like or respect him. I mean, I I've like seen a few of his tweets because people. Say, I, I'm not on Twitter very often. I am silent sometimes, but I don't like follow him or anything, so I don't know what he says. But I used to, I guess I followed him kind of during, I, I, I look at his tweets about basketball sometimes, but he doesn't really know that much about basketball either. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. The the local coverage when you kind of go to 97.1 uh, and, and some of those other local stations or, or local, yeah, I guess the, the free press and, and M Live and Detroit News, those outlets. They definitely have better coverage than the national, but I, I mean, I guess to be fair, they don't—they don't really, you know, they don't follow game by game 
Michigan or Michigan State too closely. I mean, Michigan is obviously a big brand, but they've been kind of irrelevant the past couple of years. So they haven't really been very talked about. Whereas Michigan State, you know, always they always come to play, but they've also had some down years recently. Oh yeah. So absolutely. it's like I saw I saw a metric yesterday that the last ten games Michigan State has played against the top ten team, they've lost by an average of twenty five points and scored an average of six points a game. Yeah, I mean that's like um so I mean it's like not great, Bob. Not, not, not great. Not great at all. But it I guess it, and the, the Big Ten doesn't have like the, the aura of the SEC currently. Where I feel like those like those type of games, like if this was like six versus eight, and it was it was LSU versus Bama, I feel like the, the national coverage would be getting it would, would be a lot more accurate and yeah. be getting a well, lot more. Yeah, it'd be a lot more basically t- like the SEC network. Well, it is. Yes, I mean they, they own the SEC network, so they might as well be. Um, and also, it's I don't know. I feel like the Big Ten recently has sort of taken oh you know taken. Taken on a, a uh, I guess a, I don't want to say personality, but basically started to own its reputation as more of a basketball conference. Um, even though they haven't had a ton of success in the tournament, they've still just been a more competitive conference. You know, from top to bottom. Obviously, Ohio State has made numerous appearances in the playoffs, has won playoff games, has won a championship, but. If Ohio State doesn't do well, then recently the Big Ten has just not done well. Um, so it's, I, I guess that's where I feel like some of these bigger Big Ten games aren't getting the the correct analysis from the national media is just because they probably don't really pay too much attention to it. Just because the Big Ten never really, <laughs> if you're not into Ohio State, doesn't they don't seem to make appearances in the playoff and or have no chance of challenging the Alabamas and the, the Clemson teams of past years. So, I mean, I feel like that's – but I, that is an excuse for them. They, they should do their homework a little bit more uh, and because this is a big matchup, a big rivalry, and one that has a lot of implications for both the top 25 and, and the Big Ten. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I, I did listen to – I've been listening to the uh, – Mike Fellini and that other guy. Rico Beard. Uh, yeah, I, li- I liked Mike Sullivan better. <laughs> Sully? Yeah, I liked Sully. I liked the show when Sully was on it. I like Rico. I think he's – I enjoy some of the stuff he talks about, but I liked Sully. Uh, he was he was funny. I just feel like Rico and Mike just, like, agree on everything, and it doesn't make it particularly interesting sometimes. No, Mike, like, <laughs> Fellini, he's just – he's – He's gone downhill a little bit. I don't. I don't like him as much as I used to. I yeah, I mean, live yeah. and die by his pot or his radio show, and I was listening all the time. But I really don't listen to him much anymore. I don't know. I liked. I don't know. Well, it's. I mean, this is obviously biased coming from a Michigan fan, but there's like not. Like he's. They are fair most of the time, but it's just like when you're talking about like a game like of this magnitude it would just be nice to have like someone who clearly both sides leads towards michigan yeah and the, the the guy who they say is a michigan fan i don't really think he's i don't really think he knows too much about like Hatchet college football. Man. yeah 
I like him, but he's also not like he's not a main. He's not a main. He's not. He's not like a main character on that radio show. Well, and he's not really. He's like the producer. He's, really, yeah, he's like he's the more producer. Of a producer. He's not really. He talks like, like he, he talks a couple times, but he's not. He's not entrenched in the main arguments, and he's not getting the most airtime. So, I mean, I, I do. I did like listening to it, just because I disagree with him or agree with him. Blenny, he he knows how to capture your attention, uh, specifically with his rants, which I do like. I like his lines rants the best hmm. um, of old, yeah. of old. But I mean, that, that's. But I just don't really know of a whole lot of of other radio shows in the Metro Detroit area that are that are covering this game to the extent that they do and with the knowledge that they have. But like I said, as someone who's a Michigan fan, I did like when they had Sully because he was a Michigan fan and he, he kind of gave that Michigan analysis that wasn't have, that didn't have like an underlying tone of Michigan state favoritism, I guess you could say. <laughs> like, I get it. like someone, like someone who clearly wants Michigan state to win. It's just, yeah, you know, it's, it. it's just a little bit different, but overall I like, I like the, the week building up to rivalry week to a, to an extent it's, it's fun seeing people go head to head, people get angry on Twitter and uh, stuff, you know, kind of, it's just kind of uh, go at each other. But then they, at the end of the day, it's settled on the gridiron. <laughs> yeah. But all right. Oh, with, uh, with that, I think we can uh, get into what everybody's been waiting for our, uh, our analysis expectations. So, let me let me start by asking you this: Why? So, what makes you what? If Michigan loses, what do you think will be the reasons they lose? Okay, that's a that's a that's a good question, and I would say if they lose, I would say the number one reason they lose is they let Jaden Reed or Speedy Naylor break off. I guess, maybe not break off, but catch some 30, 35-plus yard you know, plays. They, they let up the big play, basically. Yeah. They get burned. They, the corners get burned too, like they did last year. Yeah. That, would be, that would be one reason, and the second reason would be that they abandon the run too early. Yeah. Abandon the run game. I think, I think defensively, is, it's... It's it's giving up the big play, and putting your corners on a, in a position where they can get burned by these speedy receivers. And uh, offensively, it's it's maybe not having success with the run right away, and then abandoning it and putting Kate in a position where he has to throw too often, and it kind of spiraling downhill. But I guess what would your if you're looking at this game kind of neutrally, what what would you say? Well, I think I think Michigan's weakness is probably their secondary. Um, I think, I mean, their secondary has still been a lot better than I think anybody expected them to be. I mean, Daxon Hill's really evolved into a, to a superstar type player, but I still think they have some holes on the, on the other side. Um, I, I, I still think they're susceptible to giving up the big play. I think, uh, you know, if they're playing, if, if they get into a position, especially where if Kenneth Walker's running well, they have to move the safeties up. Um, that's... That's gonna, it's it's gonna be tough for them because if they if they move the safeties back, Kenneth Walker I think will be able to run a little bit more, and if they move the safeties up, then then the then the deep passing game opens up. So I think 
I think if Michigan loses, there it's probably because they got exposed in that way. I think uh, I think kind of the same recipe you saw as last year. I think um, I just think that if that's if that's one point of emphasis and something to attack, I think it's kind of like if you're in Michigan State, kind of just give what the defense gives you almost. If you have the safeties back, run the ball. If you have the safeties up, throw the ball. I mean, you know, don't try to get too cute with it. Don't try to you know make a point to to do what you want and impose your will. Just kind of just kind of do do what take what's there and. I think if 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 Michigan loses the game, it's going to be because their secondary got exposed. Um, I think that's that's the biggest that's going to be the biggest point of emphasis for if I was a Michigan fan. That's what I would be the most worried about. Yeah, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. And I think uh, the, the secondary has performed better than than most people expected, but is still not locked down by any means they they're still susceptible to giving up a big pass play whereas the defensive line and linebackers aren't great but they generally do their job and are uh are pretty serviceable i guess would be a good word to describe them yeah but i, I would say I, I agree with you at your point that kenneth walker will definitely have more success uh if they when they drop the, if they drop the safeties back to try to stop the, the big pass play but I guess, if as as a Michigan fan, if you ask me which one I would rather do, I would definitely rather that you let Kenneth Walker. You know, you, I, I would rather they they put the safeties back a little bit deeper and put more of a focal point on stopping the deep pass play than they do of stopping Kenneth Walker. Just because I have a lot more confidence in the defensive line, yeah, and the linebackers, and I they've been pretty good against the run. I mean they. Totally shut down Northwest. Other than the seventy-five yard touchdown run, I mean, again, Northwestern's obviously a, a far inferior team to Michigan State, but they, they other than the seventy-five yard touchdown run, they ran for like like fifteen yards the entire game, and it might have been less than that. I mean, it was not very many. I think you know they did not really have any success on the ground. So I have a lot more confidence in Michigan's ability to stop the run than I do the pass. So I prefer if they put some more. Emphasis on stopping those those speedy receivers, specifically, obviously, Speedy Naylor and Jane Reed. And and Kenneth Walker, I guess, from the big runs that I've seen him do, it's usually when he kind of starts inside and bounces it outside. Yeah. So I would say if you're going to do that, I would just, I, just set the edge and kind of make him run between the tackles because I, I would say Michigan State's probably biggest position weakness is their offensive line. If you you know of the main position groups, yeah, I would I say that's probably the, I would say it's probably their biggest weakness because most of the big runs, it's not because they're opening up some gaping hole, it's because Kenneth Walker is breaking tackles and making superhuman plays. Right, and their their receivers are really good blockers. Like yeah, they they Naylor, do. Naylor's a great blocker. Hayward obviously is all, is a great blocker. Um, yeah, yeah. You know you 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 always see their receivers out there making big time blocks for them. And that's usually a recipe. Like, if, anytime he has a huge run, you know you're usually seeing his receivers putting putting the making it difficult on those the the secondary players to make a tackle on him. So I mean, if if uh, if they can if they can avoid get getting him out him getting outside, that's gonna that's gonna be huge for Michigan. But I mean, it's tough because like these the, both of these groups like these are gonna be the best position groups that both teams have seen. 
So like this is sure. gonna be the best defensive front that Michigan that Michigan State has seen. And it's even even with the offensive line being a little suspect for Michigan State, I still think it's the best offensive line Michigan's seen this year. Uh, I would I would probably say I'd probably say was I'd probably say Wisconsin probably has a better offensive line. Uh okay. I mean fair. They have a good offensive enough. line, they just have a crap quarterback. Fair, fair <laughs> enough, but Still, I mean, those I mean, those farm, you know, those farm bred boys always play good uh, on the offensive line. That's true. No, that's true. But <laughs> but yeah, I know that's. I mean, it's not to say that Michigan State's offensive line hasn't had its bright spots and isn't. You know, I'm not saying that there's some like just terrible offensive line that's full of holes and can't block anyone to save their lives. It's definitely going to be one of the. Well, you know, so, it's going to be a top two, three offensive yeah, line they played all year. I'm interested to see if they're going to keep doing that. That like substitution, like shifting crap that they've been doing, coming out of a bye, do you just let your five best offensive linemen play now? Like this, it's getting it's getting to the point where you're kind of seeing that this this mix and match of offensive line personnel doesn't really work, and especially coming off the bye, everybody's gonna be fresh. Like just just let your your five best players go out there and eat. Like I don't I don't really see any reason to live and die by doing these hockey shifts of of uh, offensive linemen. Like you just just let your guys go out there. I think if they do that that's gonna be that'll be uh, nice just to get some continuity and some get some strength out there for for obviously the run game and then, you know, get some good pass pro going. Um, I, I don't yeah. I don't I don't wanna see I don't want I'm done with the with the the shifting in and out of uh, offensive linemen. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I guess I would say, I think we pretty much are on the same page with regards to if Michigan loses, why are they going to lose on, on both sides of the ball? I think that stopping Kenneth Walker should obviously be a priority. But if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to allocate more resources to either stopping Kenneth Walker or stopping the, the deep pass, I would definitely say the deep pass. Just also because Michigan State, similar to Michigan, has struggled in the red zone this year. And they have not been great between, I guess, the goal line and the 15 to 20 yard line. Once they get in that, the the receivers are, I mean, they're still skilled receivers, but they're more built for those long developing routes where they can use their speed and athleticism to to blow by the corners. Whereas when it's a little more tighter, they, they, they have a little bit less success. Yeah. So if you if you're gonna if you're gonna you know choose one of those routes, you can kind of let Kenneth Walker dink and dunk it down the field, and uh, just kind of slow the game, and then you know maybe you get a stop. But if he if he's gonna keep getting three four yards a run and picking up first downs, I guess you'll you know you don't you're not gonna love it, but it, you're gonna be they're gonna be put in a position where they're gonna have to convert in the red zone, which they've struggled to do all year. So if you're gonna choose between giving up a field goal and giving up a fifty yard touchdown pass, you're, right. you're gonna choose the field goal every day. So. Right, and, well, I think they, and too, like the more you run plays, the more things can go wrong. I mean, if you're yeah. making Michigan State go on 15-yard drives, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong in 15 plays, and it gives your defense time to rest. I mean, either way, either way, it's just it's obviously just more productive for for everybody involved if you're making those drives. Yeah, I mean, and you, and you don't want to give up those like length of drives, especially when you're Michigan, when you are the one who wants to control time of possession. Right. So I wouldn't want to give up still, but I, I guess I, I should say that I have more confidence in the defensive line and the linebackers 
to stop Kenneth Walker if they're going to consistently hand him the ball off than I do if they're going to you know they're going to use a play action or just keep chucking it deep. I, I have a lot more confidence in the, the defensive line to make a big play or getting big stuff than I do the defensive backs, especially if they're going to be you know, using someone as a decoy to basically take Dax Hill out of the play, which I'm worried that they will uh, Michigan State will do. I kind of like they did last year, where I believe I don't remember who he was guarding, but it was either Naylor or Reed last year that he was pretty much shadowing the whole game, and he basically didn't do anything. But then our old friend Ricky White went absolutely bonkers because he was playing the scrubs. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how they choose that. But I guess on the flip side, Jack, if if Michigan State loses this game, why do you uh, why do you think that would be? Um, I think. If Michigan State loses this game, it's because Michigan got really balanced on offense, had success running and passing the ball. Um, Michigan State, if they lose the turnover battle, I think that'd be huge. Um, you know, I think I think just just Michigan having success throwing the ball is good. like if if Michigan can can have success throwing the ball, I think that's going to be a real problem for Michigan State. And uh, if Michigan can have success in the red zone, like you said, obviously that's going to be that's going to be a big problem because I mean, if there's, you're talking about Michigan's weakness being the red zone offense. You know, one of one of Michigan State's strengths this year has been red zone defense. So, if 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 Michigan's getting into the red zone to end capping off drives with touchdowns, that's going to be tough for Michigan State to match to match. So I think if if Michigan State loses, it's really it's really just going to be it's going to be on their defense. I think I think the offense will will put them in a position where they. They can win the game, uh, so I think I think if they if they end up dropping this game, I think it's just going to be because the defense, uh, especially the secondary, didn't didn't show up as much as we were hoping. I, th- I think the uh, you know, and then obviously Panashuk and that that whole line is going to need to get home, put pressure on Cade. Um, even if he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, he doesn't make a lot he he doesn't make a lot of great throws, so. You know, the more pressure you can put on on him, I think that's even a bigger point of emphasis than it would be um, against you know against a different team. But I think I think I think there's definitely a route for Michigan State to win this game pretty comfortably. I just think they gotta they gotta execute on defense. Um, you know, not let not let Haskins and Corum you know run crazy like they have been. You know, we saw them struggle for a couple games and then. And now they really seem to be picking it back up, getting getting into stride. So I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be difficult, but I think I think there's there's an easy. I mean, there's an easy way to see how Michigan wins this game. I don't think it's any. You know, there's no secret. There's no secret about what Michigan's gonna have to do to win the game. I think it's just gonna be, you know, a a test of who executes better in. In big spots, and uh, who sure. makes, who makes sure. the more mistakes? But I mean, yeah. if, if if you're getting to the if you're getting into the red area, and you're you're put scoring touchdowns. Whoever team, whatever team can do that more, I think is probably going to be the team that ends up winning the game. Probably. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I guess if Michigan, if I had to give you know, a, I guess a reason that Michigan State lose the game, or if Michigan State does lose the game, what what would my prediction to be as to why? I, I, along lines of uh, similar to what you said, I would on on defense. I would say that they don't. They have 
you know, they don't stop the run. They have trouble with the run with Michigan's balanced rushing attack. And they let Haskins and Corum make their mark early in the game. And Michigan's able to establish the run. And Cade doesn't have to throw more than 15 to 20 times. If that's the case and Cade is throwing, I think if Cade throws less than 20 times in the game, Michigan's probably going to win. Yeah. I think Michigan will win, and they probably will win comfortably. Um, because that'll mean Haskins, Haskins and Corum are, are kind of getting theirs on the ground and picking up chunk plays. So if Michigan State does that and they don't they don't make Michigan get all you know, they, they don't force Michigan into three and outs or only one first down on a drive, if they let them continue to pick up first downs on the ground and let the clock continue to bleed, I think that would be a kind of recipe for disaster. And then on the offensive side of the ball, just like what I said for Michigan, if Michigan State abandons the run too quickly, I think that could be a big reason for them not coming out on top just because Kenneth Walker at the end of the day is still probably your best player on offense and has, has proven to be that over the course of the season. He's still an electric and dynamic running back. And although Michigan does have a good run defense, if you're not finding success early and you're immediately just, just putting, you know, putting all your chips into the big, the big deep play on pat you know, on passing, you know, easily or predictable passing situations. As suspect as Michigan's defense has been at times this year, and at least over the past couple of years, if you're in a position where you're in like third and eleven, third and twelve, and you have to pass, I mean, it's still pretty tough to convert against just because Michigan knows what you're doing. And if you get in a position where you're down and you've totally abandoned the run, Michigan is just gonna put those safeties and defensive backs and more of a not prevent, but more of a cover two look because they, you know, they actually play zone this year. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to put them in their, their defensive backs into a position where they have help. They're not going to be on a, on an island. And Michigan has enough confidence in their off defensive line, and their defensive line has proven that they they can get rush the quarterback. Hutchinson is obviously an elite defensive end. Ajabo has has really come on this year. And they, they, they've proven that they can get to the quarterback. So if you're having Peyton Thorne sit back there every play for three to four seconds waiting for routes to develop and Michigan knows you're passing and has the defensive backs to cover them, I just don't think he'll have enough time to wait for them to, to, to get open. So that's why I think you need Kenneth Walker to establish himself on the ground and sort of draw in Michigan's defensive backs to help out because then you can go to play action and really make your mark on those big, deep, long routes that take a second to develop. But if you have your corners one-on-one with one of Michigan State's receivers, then Michigan State's receivers are probably going to win. So I think that's where they could find success. But on the flip side, if they if they kind of abandon the run and Michigan isn't too concerned about it, then I think you're going to put yourself in a position where Michigan's defense will, will find a lot of success and – force Michigan State into quick three and outs where Michigan can get the ball back and dominate the time of possession. Because I think time of possession in this game is going to be big. It's Not to say it's not big in any game, but I think it's going to be especially big in this game. So, yeah, I would say that's... I, I don't oh, know that I, I... I kind of agree, but I also kind of disagree. Um, so, I don't necessarily think it's important for the run to get established because... I think Kenneth Walker, when you have Kenneth Walker and he's having the season he has, 
I think you kind of show up with the run already established, kind of. So it, it 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 just depends to me how what Michigan's doing defensively. I mean, if Michigan's stacking the box, I'd rather them just throw early and abandon the run. It it, it kind of, I'm kind of just going back to what I said earlier. I just don't yeah. want them to like. In the Indiana game, we kind of saw Indiana stack the box and just kind of, kind of set themselves on stopping the run. And I like if Michigan State if they get, if they get stubborn about it like they did against Indiana, you know that's that could be a big problem. They had they had a bunch of three and outs because they're running the ball on first and second down when the run's not there, and then you're in third and eight, third and seven every time. It's just it's just kind of it gets difficult, and there's a lot of pressure on your on your offense there. So I, I don't know if I, I don't necessarily want to see them just come set on trying to run the ball. I mean, if it's there, then great. But you know, if it's not there, I, I, I really don't want to see them try and force the run because yeah. it, 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 burned, yeah. it almost burned them two weeks ago. And I think if it happens this week, it could burn them. So, yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean that, I, I think that is a very fair point, but where I come from the time of possession is, is that, that that's been Michigan's MO this year. When Harbaugh has made a, a commitment back to the run, back to the running game, and the running backs have had a lot of success. So, giving your defense a break if you're Michigan State and going on longer sustained drive, not to say, you know, if you're going to, if you can, you can capitalize and, and score on a 60 yard touchdown pass, then you're, you're going to take it, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But if, if you're, if you're going to, if Michigan is going to make you go down the field, then I, I don't want to – I would say I, if I was a Michigan State fan, I wouldn't want to see them abandon the run and just start passing it because once you get in those quick three and outs, you punt it right back to Michigan, and Michigan State's defense gets a little bit tired because they've been on the field for a while, then I think you could be in some trouble because Michigan, they, they like to establish themselves on the ground, obviously, but then they like to wear down the defense and lean on them. So when it gets to the third and fourth quarter, they've been dominating the time of possession. The Michigan State, you know, the, the opposition defense gets a little bit tired. And they can just keep running the ball four, five, six times in a row, yeah. And can, can pick up first downs. And and Michigan State, like we've talked about, is a team that has had really a lot of success in the deep passing game. So, but they, you know, you can't you can't score if you if you don't have the ball. And right. and the longer Michigan has the ball, the more they can keep those elite receivers and Kenneth Walker on the bench. Yeah. So even if even if they're just coming away with three points, Michigan, it you know, if Michigan's only coming away with field goals. As long if they're taking up like six, seven minute drives, it's going to be tough for Michigan State to go out there because I feel like there's going to be pressure on Thorne and Naylor and Reed to kind of hit a big play when Michigan knows that's what they're you know knows that's what they're going to try to do. So yeah, I I, I just don't want to see I just don't want to see Michigan State married to a game plan. Like they need to be they need to be balanced. Yeah, and they need to, and they need, they to, need be, to be open to adjusting. If I they, would say they need to be, uh, yeah, they definitely need to be open to adjusting, and I would say that they need to be balanced more than Michigan needs to be balanced. I think yeah, that, I agree. I think that Michigan well, needs. It I, I would say Michigan. I mean, they need to be able to pass the ball, of course. But when it comes to actually being, you know, doing fifty-fifty run pass, I think if that's the case, then Michigan's probably screwed. I think they need to be like. 65% run, 35% pass, if they're going to have success. Whereas Michigan State, I think it needs to be somewhere closer to the middle. Because it's like, it's like, it's like a, I guess I would say it's a given that Michigan is probably going to run the ball like 50% of the time unless they get down big. Or Michigan State, you've kind of seen both sides of the coin on what they're going to do. Like, they're either going to go heavy on pass or heavy on run. 
So I would say more balanced. When I when I mean don't abandon the run, I mean, you know, obviously you're going to still take your shots down deep. Don't be married to the run. But you can't pass it every single play. Like, it's just not going to work. So I, I, I think that's what you're probably trying to say as well. Yeah. But, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you – it's it's. Go ahead. It, uh, there's, there's just so, there's so many different angles that you can look at it from. Because there's, you know, there's just so much that can happen, and it's just so difficult to predict like what the, what the biggest or most important thing is for each team. But I mean, there's, there's things that are obvious that need to get done. But I, it's, it, it it's just going to come down to the coaching, and, you know, the, the players being put in the best position to execute but i mean both of them are both these teams should be pretty fresh i mean with they sh- you should see them both being about just about the best version of themselves that you've seen all year so yeah i mean this is sure. going to be huge and i don't know i'm just excited i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a really good really competitive game yeah i i, I guess i could say that i I, I can see a team pulling away late in the fourth quarter, but I don't. I don't think by any. Uh, no matter what happens, I don't think that going into the fourth quarter, this game is going to be already decided. I think you know. I think I think it's going to be a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, with with both teams still still having a pretty decent shot at winning the game. I mean, so I think someone probably will get a late, you know, like a score with five to six minutes left in the fourth quarter. To kind of put the game on ice, but I, I, I don't think this game's going to be a blowout no matter what happens. No. I, I just feel like these teams are too evenly matched, and if there's too much at stake in this game for either team to just totally fall flat on their face. I mean, not to say that Michigan hasn't done that in big games in the past, and they probably will in the future too. But I mean, it's mostly against Ohio State that they just end up getting totally annihilated, um, which is. Disappointing and embarrassing. However, it is in fact Ohio State, so it happens to everybody. <laughs> I yeah. mean, at this point, they just do that to everybody. But I guess who are your? Uh, who would you? If you have an X factor for for both teams, who who would your X factors be? Well, Trey Mosley would be my X factor for Michigan State, and um, you know he's he's still. A, I mean, I know he gets overshadowed by. Um, Naylor and Reed, but he's still a very competent player, very competent wide receiver. Um, if if you know if 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 the two top guys get taken away, um, I, I, and he's he he'll he'll still he should still have some opportunities to uh, make some plays, and then uh, Tyler Hunt, um, the tight end for Michigan State. Uh, he's been he's been kind of a safety blanket for Peyton Thorne. I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be really important for uh, for kind of getting getting to the middle of that that the finding the soft spot in the defense and getting to the middle of the field and you know getting in space a little bit and uh, making making some plays. I think that would be that would be my biggest X, X factor for Michigan State. Um, if I'm looking at Michigan here, I think, um, 
you know, I think they're just their their secondary players that aren't named Daxton Hill. I think are going to be their their most important their most important players. Um, you know, if they're able to, you know, I think we're going to see Daxton Hill and Jaden Reed kind of go at it all day. But if you can, if if those other if those other secondary players can can stop um, can stop Naylor and Mosley and Hunt and Hayward. Um, and Hayward, too, is another guy who could be a X factor. You know, it's just just his ability to block and ability to miss ta- break tackles when he, when he does get the ball. Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be really important for Michigan State. So it's uh, it's just I think those are the biggest players for state. And then, you know, maybe if I guess if I'm if I had to pick one, I guess I'd say like Brad Hawkins for Michigan. Yeah. Say, yeah. Safety. Yeah, if, yeah. You know, if he can, if if he's able to help out the corners that are covering Naylor and uh, Naylor and Mosley, I think that'll be. I think that would be huge for their defense. So yeah, I think those are yeah, that, those are kind of my my cold hard, cold hard keys to the game right there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I, I think those are good choices for the X Factors. I mean, Brad Hawkins. Has has made a bit of a resurgence in the eyes of Michigan fans for sure. I mean, he was he was like he was one of the, the more I'm not gonna say hated, but but he was one of the less people didn't really trust him very much on the defense. He was he was one of the the players that that was not thought of very highly by the Michigan fan base over his first couple of years at Michigan. At safety, he really struggled, specifically in the 2019 Michigan at home against Ohio State game, where I think Chris Olave uh, stole his soul and um, mm. and just just totally like ended his existence. I, I Chris Olave might have had like 300. I mean, I'm over exaggerating, but he he had two just massive plays where just it was third and longs, and Brad Hawkins just got beat so bad by Chris Chris Olave. Who's obviously an elite, speedy receiver, maybe the best receiver in college football, probably going right up there with Drake London. Uh, but he was just, he was just taking his lunch all day, and he made a huge play against Nebraska, stripping the ball from AJ Martinez, which pretty much won them the game. So he's he's regained. People have regained a little bit of confidence in old Brad, but he's uh, still a question mark in the secondary. He's known to make some boneheaded plays. But I guess if I had to, if I'm going to pick an X factor, X factor for both teams, for Michigan State, I touched upon it earlier, and this is kind of an obvious choice, and not really too. Uh, not I didn't have to dig too far to find this guy, Kenneth Walker. I think I think if no matter what happens in the passing game for Michigan State, if he is able to have one of his big games and maybe pop off a big run here or there, then whether or not Michigan State hits on the big deep on the pass play uh, on the big deep ball that they're, they're accustomed to won't really matter because they can still, they can still hit those short intermediate routes with Trey Mosley and, and Jane Reed. Whereas speedy nailer, I mean, Jane Reed hits the big play too, but speedy nailer is more of the, he's more of the deep ball guy just because of his raw athleticism, but they can still move it down the field and Peyton Thorne can make some of those throws. So uh, I'm not, I, I'm not going to put too much, into those big plays 
if Kenneth Walker is able to establish himself on the ground and pick up chunk plays because that'll put Michigan's defense in a very vulnerable position where no matter what happens, I don't think they'll be able to recover. If, if Kenneth Walker has one of his Heisman S days, yeah. I think Michigan's pretty much dead. I think Michigan's pretty much dead in the water. Yeah, and I mean, which listen, I'm not saying you, will happen, but it could happen. Yeah, I mean, and listen, if you want to be if you want to be a Heisman candidate and you want to be at New York at the end of the year, this is a game you have to show up in. I mean, you can't. Yeah. You can't go 20 for 70, and still call yourself a Heisman candidate. I mean, this. Yeah. Is, this is a game where you got to go 20. For 140 and a touchdown at least. I mean, you, if you wanna, if you wanna consider yourself a real Heisman candidate, this is a game where you have to show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kenneth Walker has obviously been incredible so far this year, and a massive and very pleasant surprise for Michigan State fans. But against the two best defenses that he that he's played so far in Nebraska and Indiana, he's been bottled up. So, right. If he yeah, if he wants to see himself in New York. He's going to have to make a statement game. Michigan, Michigan would obviously be a big one to, to, to do it, and Penn State as well. And then obviously, at, at, if he's able to do it at the shoe, and they win, then I don't think there's any doubt that he'll find himself in New York. But this is a, this is a big game to start with. This is one where you can show that you are indeed a Heisman candidate, and you don't just feast on lesser opponents and uh, and kind of fall fall apart when you face a more established defense. But I think he's he's definitely my X factor for Michigan State because he if he is able to establish himself on the ground and wear down Michigan's defense, then I think Michigan's game defensive game plan is going to just fall apart and it, it could get I'm not going to say it could get ugly, but it could, Michigan State could have a decent hand on the game and pretty pretty much control it from from the get go. And then if I'm going to have to and then if I my my Michigan X factor. I had a couple different people in mind, but I'm probably going to go with Cornelius Johnson, who is Michigan's number one wide receiver currently, which isn't saying much because their wide receiving, you know, their receiver core is is in a pretty tight position, and it has been since Ronnie Bell went down with the season-ending knee injury in the first half of the first game. But Michigan, as much as they want to run, they're going to have to throw eventually unless Michigan State's defense just doesn't get off the bus and is, like, totally, you know, their heads just aren't in the game and they're just getting torched on the run, they're going to have to, they're going to, Michigan's going to have to throw the ball. And they don't have to chuck it deep, but they're going to have to pick up some, some first downs on third and five, third and six, and you're not going to be able to do that on the ground. So can Cornelius Johnson get separation? Can he get open? Can he make a tough catch? I know Michigan State's secondary isn't, isn't elite or they're, they're not world beaters by, by any stretch of the imagination, but they're not, they're, you know, they're not scrubs. So you're still going to have to, you're still going to have to, to have a good game to make sure Michigan can pick up some first downs, keep the clock moving, keep the chains moving and give your, your, your defense some more time on the bench to keep resting and, and let Cade just sit back there and hand it off to Haskins or, or Corum a couple more times and just keep chewing clock because, I'm sure you agree. If it's if it's a high scoring game that that greatly favors Michigan State, yeah. If it's a if, it, if it's a, if it's a if it's a if it's a game if it's a shootout, then Michigan State definitely has an advantage with their ability to hit the deep, you know, hit a, hit the deep ball and uh, and make and get those chunk plays. Whereas if it's a low scoring game, and I don't know if you saw, I think the I think it's supposed to rain 
I don't know if I saw that correctly. I've heard whispers like it's supposed to rain, which I don't think will make a major difference unless it's a monsoon-type rain. But if it's like ugly weather, low scoring, bunch of punts, then I think Michigan probably has the advantage. So that's where I'd say, like I said, and I talked about this before, time of possession. Cornelius Johnson and the rest of the receiving group is going to have to make some big plays on third down to extend drives, keep the, keep the clock moving, and, and give Michigan – and give Michigan a chance to to keep establishing themselves on the run and wear down the Michigan State defense. But yeah, that, that pretty much to, sums it. It's supposed to rain in the morning, but it's supposed to stop, uh, looks like, right around game time. All right, so it might be some wet conditions, but Michigan State has grass, don't they? They have grass, yes. Why? Because they're an agriculture. agriculture <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's blasphemy if they have turf. That goes against all their uh, exactly. their morals. <laughs> oh man! So it could be a little slippery, but I don't. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the weather is going to have too much of an effect on the game. Uh, but I guess with with that, I think we've we've given a decent preview on what on what both teams need to do to be able to win this game. So Jack. I guess we'll hop over to you. What is your prediction for this one, and, and how do you see this game playing out? To me, this just feels like a game that Michigan loses. And we've seen it time and time again. Harbaugh's never beaten Michigan State when they were any good. And, you know, I'm not going to believe that he can do it till I see him do it. So I am going to go Michigan State 23, Michigan 21. I think Oof. I think Michigan State's going to be able to do just enough. I think the whole, the coaching staff's going to be able to do just enough. I think we're gonna. It's going to be a tight, a tight, tight game, and I think when when push comes to shove, Michigan State's just got that that extra motor, that extra drive. That ex, they're just going to keep chopping wood, and uh, I think I think they're going to do just enough to get it done. I just I. I just feel I just feel like this is a game Michigan loses. I mean, this is not a game that Harbaugh has historically won in his tenure at Michigan. Um, and I mean, if he does, I'll be the first to say I was wrong. But I just I you you got to prove it to me before I I can pick you to win a game like this. So I'm gonna go Michigan State 23, Michigan 21, with uh, Michigan State moving to. Eight and zero, Michigan. Michigan moving to seven and one. But I mean, like, listen, like, regardless of who loses, like, that doesn't mean that the other one is a fraud. No. Like this can be like you can like both for both of these teams. This is true. Like you can lose this game, lose to Ohio State, and still be a top ten team. That is yeah. Like that is not like there's there's no. Well, I mean, that's if 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 that's the case, then they absolutely. I think they have because that would mean both of them would beat Penn State who will probably at least be ranked at the time they play them. Right. And then, yeah, I mean, that would, and it would also mean that, I mean, this isn't, regardless of what happens in this game, Ohio State probably could be ranked in the top four come the end of the season because I don't think either of us expect them to lose in the rest of Big Ten play. No. And Michigan or Michigan State, whoever wins, regardless if they drop a game to Penn State or if they drop a game to Ohio State, that they're still gonna with a win like this, they're still gonna be in the top ten. So 
I think yeah, you probably have to give credit to the other team, and they would, you know, two top. If your only two losses are against top ten teams, then you know, and you, it's just it's it's hard to 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 knock you too much. Yeah, um, no, and I just like I said, I don't I don't think I don't think whoever loses this game, I don't think that makes them a fraud or anything like that. I just think I think that. They're both good teams, and I think they're both gonna. I think they're both gonna fight. I think this is gonna be a an intense game. I don't think I, I'd be surprised if you saw either one of them pull away. Um, and I I I just think it's gonna be a spirited game. Hopefully, you 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 see the refs let the boys play a little bit, unless unless Michigan's doing their traditional holding in the secondary. I hope that gets called because nobody holds in the secondary more than Michigan. And That's not – okay, that was LaVert Hill, and he's gone. No, Michigan State Jordan actually, Lewis. Yeah, they're both gone. Uh, Michigan I State actually – I understand did, they're both gone, but they still do it. Okay. Oh Michi- they, no one holds like, that, like Michigan does. In the I don't know. Michigan, Michigan State has actually held a bit this year too. <laughs> I don't remember Michigan what the quarter State is. Michigan called. Michigan does not get called. Hmm. But yeah. regardless, I, I – it's All right. Be, yeah, it's gonna we'll be see. a spirited game. I hope. Yeah. I, I, I think another thing that's gonna be important, like, there's obvious you're gonna get like some extracurriculars in this game, but I like, don't do anything too stupid. You know, don't. Yeah. Don't get a big third down stop. No punches. No punches. Something. Like, yeah. I mean, if you get a big third down stop and then you get in the other team's face and you get a taunting penalty, like, some of that stuff, like, I, I don't think yeah. that happen, but like, you could see it. I mean. It wouldn't shock me if something like that happened. Like you gotta, even if it's like, even if it's like a cheap penalty, like you shouldn't put yourself in a position for them to call it. Right, and I mean, you saw that with the Iowa State game last year, last week. Like that guy's, yeah. that guy's about to score. He barely did anything. I mean, he did a little, a little stutter step, but like he really didn't do that much, and gets called for it. Like you can't, you gotta be, you gotta be really smart in this game and really careful because. I, I'm sure both teams are going to try and be baiting their players into, into oh, yeah. baiting the other team into making a stupid mistake. So you got to be. Oh, careful. they for sure will. Oh, they absolutely will. I totally agree. I totally agree. It's um, if who's going to play smart, who's going to who's going to get less penalties will be huge. I think that the team who is able to play a little bit smarter. Well, he's obviously going to have a major edge. I mean, it's it, it, we'll see. It's going to be chippy. It's a rivalry game. Michigan-Michigan State is always a chippy game. Uh, these two teams are both going to be coming in with high expectations and and, and a really big a really big chip on their shoulder. Michigan State to prove that you know their seven zero start isn't a fluke, and that Michigan you know that they are a, a legit team. Not to say that even if they lose it, like we talked about, it's not a fluke, but. You know they're they're gonna have that chip on the shoulder to show like, hey, we've done it. You know we we won our first seven games. Maybe against not the best competition, but we're gonna go out there. We're gonna beat our rival, top ten matchup at home. Like Mel Tucker's legit. Like we we are a top ten team, and we're here to stay in the Big Ten. And Michigan, they're gonna have a chip on the shoulder because of last year's embarrassing loss, and for the same reasons to show that they're not a fluke. That Jim Harbaugh actually is kind of right at the ship, and that they can beat their rivals in a big game, which has been a big knock against Jim Harbaugh is that he's has not been able to do that particularly well during his tenure. He's been less than less than uh, desirable in in big games against specifically the rivals, mainly Ohio State, because he loses every big game to them. 
but also Michigan State, he has lost a couple big games to them as yeah, well. And I mean, so. two of his three wins, one was Michigan State's three and nine year. They were just dreadful. I mean, they were a horrible team. Um, another one of Harbaugh's wins was a 42-10 shellacking at home where Michigan State had no, absolutely no talent. I mean, like I said, you, you, we haven't seen uh, Harbaugh really beat a good Michigan State team. So Yeah, be I mean, the, be- yeah, the, be- the best team they beat was that team in 2018 yeah. with Lewerke. But that, the, the, that that, that, the offense for Michigan State that year was terrible, but their defense was actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, they still had, like, Shakur Brown. They had Willikis. Um, they had that, who, that, who their other corner, Lane. Was it, his name Justin Lane? Am I thinking of the right person? Uh, I, I, they had a good – Michigan State had a good team. That's all I'm going to say. Their, their, defense, yeah, they their team 20, overall – They were ranked 20th at the time of that game. They didn't – they didn't uh, – they ended the season unranked, and I think they went, like, 7-5 and five or something like that. They weren't really – Yeah. I mean – They weren't, like, incredible, but that was – that was his biggest win against Michigan State because that was like a road, road game in the rain against a good Michigan State team. Not great, definitely not great, but still not bad. You know, not as bad as some of those other teams that Jim Harbaugh got his wins against. But no, you're right. He's got to beat a Michigan State team that actually has shown some fight in them and has proven to be a a top ten, top fifteen team in college football. So I think that'll be big. And I guess before I, I say my prediction, it's. Another thing that I, I, I don't know if you agree, but uh, something that could be a, a big factor in this game is field goal kicking, especially with both teams so, I don't want to say inept, but two teams that struggle so mightily in the red zone. I think field goal kicking, you, yeah, you don't never want to kick a field goal, excel. but if you do, two but yeah, excel, excel in, in the red zone. And if you don't want to kick a field goal, but if you have to, uh, you better make it, so... <laughs> Right. I know Coglin. I know Coglin is the all-time uh, kicking leader for Michigan State, uh, but I feel like even though I, you know, not a Michigan State fan and haven't watched all their games specifically, you know, I'm, I had this year, but previous years I haven't. I know I know him to be shaky, and I think he holds that record because he's been on the team for like 15 years, uh, more or less. I don't remember. I know the exact number, but I know he's been there uh, since I was in like first grade. So. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's, seriously, is he on? He's got to be on a sixth year, right? Like this is like year number six or uh, something like five. That, yeah. Well, anyway, I know he's. I, I know Michigan State fans that I've been that I've either watched games with or or talked to over the past couple years have always kind of complained about him. He's like the guy who will miss a thirty yarder, but then nail like a fifty four yarder. Maybe not fifty four yards, but he'll nail like a fifty plus yarder. And then when he has, like, the chip shot, he'll just totally shank it. So he's just, like, kind of the guy that gives you a headache. And Moody's been good. He has missed a couple kicks in the past couple weeks. But against Nebraska, he was nails. And for the mo- for the better part of the season, he's been very good. So I think that could play a big part. But also, if it's windy, you never know. So whatever field goal kicker is going to come to play and be a little bit more accurate – because I definitely think this game could come down to a field goal late. So, field goal kicking, you know, never I, an ideal way to end a game, especially of this magnitude. But whatever field goal kicker is going to come with a little bit more confidence and and hit the big, you know, hit, hit a couple kicks, and then I guess whoever whatever field goal kicker uh, shanks a big kick is probably not going to feel too great about themselves, and I think that could that could have a major effect on the game, but. I mean, 
I mean, what do you? I guess what are your thoughts on Coughlin? Like, do you? I mean, you're probably not like too focused on I mean, field goal kickers, been, but he's been pretty much pretty solid. He made both his kicks against Indiana. He made one kick against Rutgers, and then the other one was the halftime one, where Shiano called two timeouts, and then like I think he called all three. Time. I think he called. I think he called all three. No, I think he, he called triple two. Eight. Oh, just two. Oh, then he gonna, faked one. He, he faked, faked one. The third one, yeah. He faked iced them. So he double yeah. iced them. Faked to the triple ice. Um, yeah. Made both against Western Kentucky. And then missed one against Nebraska, but that was a fumbled snap that he didn't even kick. He didn't even attempt the kick. So I don't mm-hmm. know why that account, why that counts as a. Yeah, that shouldn't count. Team. So he's actually, he's been good this year. I, I know in previous years he's been shaky, but it sounds like he's been pretty good this year. I mean, he hasn't um, really, like, I mean, I'll give him a little bit of a pass on the double, on the double ice, fake triple ice. Yeah. So other than that, he hasn't missed a kick. Since the Miami game, yeah. So he's been pretty good. Yeah. He's been good this year. So I would say that should inspire some 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 hope in Michigan State fans if it comes down to a kicking situation. Yeah, I, I guess. Well, I guess most of the the main memory I have is of Matt Coglin is um, when they played Arizona State. I don't remember what year that was, but he made the first oh, one. On Michigan the State had too many. Th- no, no, no. At home, oh. where they had too many guys on the field and they reviewed it. And then they had to kick again, and he missed it so bad. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. He does that. do that when he when he has to attempt to kick more than once. He usually ends up missing the second one. Okay, so interesting. But I guess yeah, we'll we'll see if that actually ends up playing a part in the game. I, I don't expect it to be too big of a factor, but I do think the the, the kicking game it definitely could be. With, no it could be. It. I mean, with with defenses that are so good in the red zone, it could be a factor, but. Uh, time will tell. We'll see you tomorrow, and I guess I'll hop into my prediction. I, as I mean, as everyone knows, I I'm Michigan alumnus, and they're the school that I root for, and they break my heart all the time. And tomorrow, I just have a feeling that they're going to break my heart again, because it's just what they do. And until I see otherwise, I just cannot bring myself to pick them, and then have them lose because I'll feel like an idiot because I should have known better. So, until further notice, I will not be picking them in top 10 ranked games, especially on the road against rivals. That just seems like a poor decision to make. I do think it'll be close. Like I said, I don't think this is going to be a blowout. And I, I, I guess I would expect, and I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan got out to an early lead. But I guess the thing that worries me is on the road, in that type of hostile environment, if Michigan State hits on a big play and, and gets back in the game, I just get, I just fear that Michigan can get a little flustered, especially with Cade. Similar to like, I guess not necessarily exactly, or you know, exactly like the Nebraska game went, but I could see something similar where Michigan has like a ten point lead at halftime, and then Michigan State hits on a couple big plays in the second half. Cade gets nervous, throws a pick, pandemonium sets in, the crowd's going nuts. Jim Harbaugh panics. JJ, next thing you know, JJ's in the game. And he just is not ready for the moment, and it can kind of spiral out of control. Which I don't think that's going to spiral out of control, but I, I will go with the final score of Michigan State twenty-seven to Michigan's twenty-three. I think that there will be some field goals kicked in this game for sure. And we, we we've talked about in the past that Michigan State has a bend don't break defense, and I have all the confidence in the world in Jake Moody to make the field goal. 
But you're not going to win with field goals in a game like this unless Michigan State Michigan State's offense totally just sputters. So I'm probably going to have to lean Michigan State. Obviously, would like to see Michigan win. However, if you, you put a gun to my head and ask me what my honest opinion of how the game is going to go, I would probably say that Michigan State is going to win. Look at you. Just be, I know. I know. It, 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 I don't want to. But... Dustin would be so disappointed. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Dustin... Dustin's a good Michigan fan, but he's much too optimistic for my liking. And I know Michigan fans are some are showing to be confident, but the the fans who I guess who have who have lived through the, the pain and the suffering of the past couple of years. I, I mean, and Dustin Dustin's a true fan, but he also got to go to some you know he got to go party in Indiana and kind of get away from all of it for a couple of years. Whereas I, I go, you know, when you're in Ann Arbor and you're just taking that pain over and over and over, it, it starts to wear on you. Um, so <laughs> I know Michigan fans, especially Dustin, would be would be would be probably disappointed in me. But yeah, sorry, I I'm gonna have to be logical. This is not a uh, a Michigan bandwagon podcast. This is the same old podcast where we we yeah. shoot straight. We shoot straight. We shoot There's, straight. We, yeah, we absolutely. We shoot straight. There's no emotion. We're not going to make emotion in these picks, and we don't do emotion in betting. We don't because we're, we're straight shooters. We're, we're we give you objective analysis, and this isn't a uh, a rah rah, you know, pat each other, pat your team on the back podcast. We're gonna we're gonna tell it how it is, and how it is is I believe that Michigan State is going to come away with a victory, but I will say that if Michigan does lose this game. I do think that they could have a, a late year resurgence. I think that they could be ins- not inspired or something, but I think that they could get a kick in the ass. And as much as it would pain everybody to lose to Michigan State, and as I was embarrassing, not embarrassing because they're a good team, but as how disappointing it would be again, I could definitely see them kind of finding a fire or a confidence, especially if Harbaugh is like, his seat is like red flaming hot. Like they could just kind of go gangbusters. Probably not going to beat Ohio State, but I could see them kind of lighting up the schedule towards the end of the year and maybe beating Penn State in, in, in a big fashion on the road. But with that said, I, I still got to—I don't know how the end of the year is going to go, but I just have to—I just have to lead Michigan State in this one. And uh, I, I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong, but I don't think I will be. And after you lose to a team when you're favored by 21. I, I have a hard time picking you the next year when they are considerably better and you're on the road. So I guess yeah. that's my reasoning. That's my overall reasoning and my lack of faith in Jim Harbaugh, of course. Yeah. But, uh, all right. <laughs> oh, well, boy. with that, uh, let's get into our college football locks of the week. Uh, do you have any, any picks you're really liking this week? I am. I am. My first pick is Pitt Panthers. Are the Pitt Panthers at home minus nine against the Miami Hurricanes? That is a big spread. Don't love betting these big spreads. However, I think Miami is kind of a dead football team, and I think Kenny Pickett and those Pitt Panthers are starting to feel pretty good about themselves. I agree. I, I'm I'm with and, you on that one. We're gonna that's gonna get the same old podcast group seal of approval and be a double yes, lock. Sir. Oh, a double lock. I think Pitt is. I think Pitt nine. is playing hard. Nine yeah. point favorites right now. Nine, yeah, nine, yeah, lock. I think Pitt 
is playing inspired, confident football. I think they have their eyes set on that ACC championship game, and I think they're going to get there. And yeah. I think they're going to draw. They're at home. They're confident after a big Clemson win. I am a little worried about them coming out a little flat and being a little too confident because Miami might not be the most might not be the most uh, well coached and disciplined team, but they still have talent. They definitely yeah. have talent. Well, they, think- they're, they're not. They're not bad. I think but. Miami still with the type of brand they are is a game you get up for. I'm not worried about it. I think Hail to Pit rises and I, I think I think they're gonna get it done. I think the boys are gonna get it done. The boys are woken up. They've seen they they're on the other side, they've been enlightened and they're gonna they're gonna get it done and they're gonna impress everybody and they're gonna announce themselves as a top fifteen team this week. I agree. I agree. I agree. I think uh, I think H two P is going to be all over the Twitterverse this Saturday after they drub Miami. I am I'm confident. I think Pickett is going to really assert himself and put himself in that Heisman race. He's having a great year. And I think that Miami, as they usually do, once things start going a little bit poorly, they will spiral out of control into oblivion. And... And I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Pitt wins by 17 plus points, wow. just because I think I, I think I think if they get up early, Miami might just quit, especially on the road, because Miami fans, I mean they travel, but with how the year is going and the fact that they're all the way playing in Pittsburgh, don't expect a big Miami fan base going into Heinz Field. I think it's going to be an electric crowd of Pitt fans, and I just don't think Miami's going to have it, but. That's my first pick, which I know we both agree on. And my second pick is going to be Iowa minus three, traveling to Madison. Iowa's plus three. Wisconsin. Oh, excuse me, excuse me, plus three. Yeah, you're right, you're right, excuse me. I'm taking, yeah, Iowa plus three, I was I was That was another one of mine. That's another double lock. Wow, two double locks? Are you serious? Never happens. This is This could be big or this could be bad. This could be real good or real bad for the for the same old podcast. But yes, Iowa plus three as the underdog traveling to Madison. I think that Wisconsin is not as bad as they have played through in, in their losses. I, I still think their defense is elite. And they still can they're not their offense is not good, but they can score. However, I think Iowa's defense is also elite and on par with that Wisconsin defense. And although Iowa's offense has been mediocre, to say the least, recently, I think that they'll be able to, you know, I guess scrounge up enough points to win the game. And if they do somehow lose, I don't see it by a B by more than three points. I think at worst case, you'd get a push. But I, I, I kind of think they're going to win the game. Okay. Is it? What are your What are your thoughts? Why Why were you uh, Why were you also on that one? I think this is a trap set by Vegas. I think they're baiting you to bet Wisconsin. Uh, they're trying to make it seem like they know something you don't. Um, but with a thirty six and a half point over under, I think you just bet the dog no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say though. Last week, I feel like it was the same deal. Wisconsin was favored minus three at 
then ranked Purdue team coming yeah, off a massive Iowa. Yeah, but Iowa's a different game. animal. I know Purdue beat Iowa, but I- Iowa's a different animal than Purdue. They're just they're a yeah. better team, even though they got beat. They're just a better team. Yeah, I think they just played a really bad game against Purdue, and I think they'll kind of revert back to the team we saw earlier in the year. I don't think they're going to annihilate Wisconsin just because their defense is so good, but I I I could definitely see like a thirteen to ten Iowa win. Right. Like it's going to be like I feel like it's going to be like the Penn State Wisconsin game from the first week of the year, or for, from week one, where like nobody could score. It was, I think it was like zero zero at halftime. Yeah, like and honestly, if I'm going to bet that under, or if I'm going to bet that number, I'm going to bet the under on that. I mean that's oh heavy. I mean, what's the over under like thirty nine? Thirty six and a half. Oh gosh. <laughs> when you wow, see a low number like that, the sucker bet is to always go over. Yeah, I mean the problem is though. Graham Mertz loves to throw picks, and Iowa loves to intercept the ball. Like they're very, they are one of the best teams in the country at picking people off. And I worry that they could get a pick six or two if the game gets out of control. If Graham Mertz has to start throwing it, similar to the the, the Notre Dame, the Notre Dame Wisconsin game, and I could see Iowa putting up like twenty one or fourteen points off of just defense, which would which would pretty much annihilate. Yeah, it would break the, the number for sure. It would break the number for sure. But I would agree if you if if I had to bet over the the either the over or the under I would go with the under seventy five percent of the money is on Wisconsin, which is interesting, which is very very interesting. Um, but I think we're we're in agreement that Iowa plus three is the move, and the same old podcast stamp of approval double lock. Yep. And I, I think with that, whoa, we whoa, can move whoa. On. I got I got I got oh. a heavy sheet this week. I got a heavy sheet oh. this week. Well, okay, sir, sir, go ahead, please. Rutgers minus one and a half at Illinois. Uh, I know Rutgers has kind of kind of gone down a little bit here, but Illinois is garbage. I think Rutgers wants a win if, where they can get it. I think this is an easy situation for them to get a win. Rutgers doesn't really play home games because nobody shows up to their games. They're going on the road to Illinois, who basically has nobody at their games too. Uh, I think this is gonna be. I think this is gonna be a pretty comfortable win for Rutgers. I like them by a touchdown. Um, okay. I, then I, I, I like. I I just I'll just chime in real quick. I, I I'm not gonna throw the double stamp of approval on that one, but I do like it. Um, I think Rutgers is better than. I think they're like very similar. They're teams that are pretty much inept offensively and have okay defenses, and they both are just not able to throw the ball for the life of them. Uh, but I, I agree. If I had to lean, if I had to lean one way, I would go with I would go with the Rutgers. But continue, please. Then my last one. Uh, where is it? Let me see what the numbers at right now. I am gonna go with. Oh, where is it? I am gonna go. I'm gonna go with those those uh, those nasty Buckeyes of. Of Ohio State minus nineteen and a half against Penn State. I just think they're rolling right now. Best offense in the country. Nobody can stop them right now. And Penn State just put up eighteen points in nine overtimes against Illinois. I don't think they're going to be able to score with Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to roll here. I think they win by twenty-seven points at least. Oh jeez, I could, uh, I could see that happening too. I, I think, think, I think. I think Penn State's got a big, fat, phony stamp on their head right now. Oh, jeez. 
the big fat yeah, fraud I, uh, alert. Big fat fraud alert on them. I, I I agree. I agree. I think it uh, I think it definitely could get ugly in the shoe on Saturday night. Uh, not I do not have a lot of confidence in Penn State and what did you say? It's eighteen and a half. Nineteen and a half. Whoa, I think it was seventeen and a half to start. People have been the Buckeyes yeah. heavy, but I, I I agree. I think Penn State's kind of a dead team at this point, but we'll see. You got any, any more college picks or shall we move on to? Nope. That was Detroit it for me. Lions? That was it. Gave well, four, I think four great picks. I gave him four. We have great four picks. We have, yeah. He gave you four great picks. I gave you two. However, my two were also two of his. We got two double lot, two double stamps of approval, two SOP locks. Let's just say if Iowa and Pitt do not perform, it could be a rough week. It could be a It'll rough be a week. bummer. It'll be a bummer for sure. However, I have confidence, and I think this is going to be a great bet. I have confidence, and I think nothing's going to go wrong. No, 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 God. God, no. Why would anything ever go wrong? I, 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 um, I, can't, I'm at, I can't think of one reason why it would go wrong. I can't think of one thing that's ever gone wrong in my entire life. Exactly. So I, don't, so I, I doubt this week will be any different. But, yeah. <laughs> but with, with that, we'll head over to the National Football League. Our Detroit Lions are at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are getting three and a half points, I believe. They're giving. Oh, no, giving, excuse me. The Lions, are, yeah, the Eagles are laying three and a half. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Lions getting three and a half. I guess after last week's inspiring yet disappointing loss to the Rams, Jack, what are you expecting to see out of the Lions this week? I don't know, man. It's it's just such a roller coaster week to week. I uh, I think that the secondary might actually have a decent game today or on Sunday. Jalen Hurts really just hasn't done anything to show that he's got any kind of future in the NFL. I mean, I know he's putting up numbers rushing wise, but he's really not he's really not doing anything throwing the ball, and he's 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 really been a disappointment. Um, so I, I really don't think I really don't th- it's going to come down to the running game I think for the Eagles, um, both with Jalen Hurts and then Kenneth Gainwell. I'm pretty sure Miles My- Sanders is out this week. I think he's on IR. He's yeah. on IR now. Yeah. So so Kenneth Gainwell short passing game to the running back. Jalen Hurts running game. Uh, I think that's going to be a key for for the Eagles. But I just think the Eagles kind of stink. I think the Lions stink, but. I think I think there's going to be an opportunity, the secondary for, you know, this is a revenge game for Darius Slay, so maybe he comes to play. But I, I, Darius Slay's never been a player that's overly impressed me. I've always thought he's a bit overrated. Yeah, he, I agree. He seems to shut down like these lower level number one receivers, but when he gets into the elite levels of number one receivers, he just doesn't usually have a prayer against them. But. I think that Eagles secondary is a little weak. I think it can be exposed. Uh, Jared Goff said this week that Khalif Raymond reminds him a lot of uh, Cooper Cup. So Yeah, that was a ridiculous comment. <laughs> so we basically have Cooper Cup out there. Um, yeah. But having said that, I think, I think there's going to be some opportunities for points for the Lions. I think if the defense can kind of show up like they did last week. I mean, I know they gave up, what was it, 26 points? Uh, points. No, the D, the Lions defense. 
Yeah. What was this? How I think many? final score was uh, 27-19. 28-19, yes. So they gave 28 points. Yeah, 28-19. So, I mean, I think... I think, you know, to the Rams, 28 points really isn't that bad. I think you could see I think you could see them holding the Eagles under 21 points here, maybe under 24. And I think uh, I think the Lions uh I know I know I know I got bit by this last week or not last week but 2 weeks ago, but I think I think this is a game where the Lions are going to the Lions are going to get it done and move to a uh, an inspired 1 and 7. I agree with with pretty much everything you said. I don't think Jalen Hurts is very good at all. Uh, He has shown this year that he is a truly inefficient passer. I mean, he doesn't have the best receiving core by by any stretch of the imagination, but Devontae Smith is obviously a very good receiver. Wes Watkins, I guess, is okay. Uh, Dallas Goddard is a good tight end. And Jalen Hurts is a bum. I mean, it's just—I don't know. I, I don't really. The Eagles are just bad team. They—they—they—they uh, they, they, they don't move the ball on offense very well. The defense is okay, but when it faces when it faces the more high-powered offense, it tends to get torched. Whereas against a D offense like the Lions, I feel like it have some success. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I don't expect it to be a shootout. I think it'll. I think it'll be similar to the Ravens-Lions game, even though the Ravens are a far superior team to the Eagles. I think that's going to be a low-scoring game where it's going to kind of go down to the final kick or at least the final drive. I think the Lions will have some success at stopping the Eagles' defense, or the Eagles' offense, excuse me, just because the Lions actually haven't been as... They haven't been that bad against the run recently. Uh, After David Montgomery absolutely torch them they haven't been particularly bad against the run they've been okay which is you know a big improvement from terrible whereas the the secondary has been been very bad but i think that the lions will will keep this game close and i just don't think they can go i think 0 17 is really hard to do and i don't think they can do it and if they're going to win a game it's either this week or thanksgiving at home against the bears so, I guess, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think this is a game that the Lions could come out on top. Um, I'm, I'm, what I'm hoping to see is that they just give the ball to DeAndre Swift uh, every play in, in either, uh, by either running it or just throwing a screen or having them run routes out of the backfield. I would not be disappointed if they just continuously fed him because he's the only player that's worth watching on the offense, at least at skill positions. I mean, Hawkinson has been okay, but he hasn't really done as well this year as most people I I feel like expected him to. He's just been banged and also, up. He's just constantly yeah, he's banged been ba- up. Yeah, he's banged. He's constantly hurt, and also he's the only receiver that has any sort of talent. Well, I guess I mean he's a tight end, obviously, but he's he's the only uh, pass catcher that has any sort of talent or prowess in the league. What, what about so what getting, about Cooper Cup Jr. Cooper Cup Jr. I mean, Khalif Raymond. I said it on uh, Wednesday. I'm giving him mad. I'm giving him major props for how he's played. He's done really well. And but I think that T.J. Augustine is getting a lot of attention from defenses. And 
you know, and, and, you know, and then that's, uh, that coupled with him being hurt has really taken its toll. And that's kind of why you're not seeing the production that most people thought they would see of him, at least through the air this year. But I think when push comes to shove, I agree with you. I think this is a game that the Lions, it's not going to be pretty, but I think it's a game that they're going to finally get on the, get in the W column. I just, I think Jalen Hurts will, will will get some rushing yards and and score some on the ground, but I think he's going to struggle to to put it to put it through the air. Even though the line secondary is pretty mediocre, and I not sure 100 percent what I'm going to see out of the Lions offense. I'm just hoping that they can put some good drives together, and hopefully Swift can break off a big play, and Jared Goff cannot just look like a total idiot. So I guess if I got to – I honestly, I don't know who's going to win this game. I'm not confident in picking either team, but I don't want the Lions to go 0-17. I would prefer if they won one game, and this seems like a pretty pretty good shot or, or a pretty good opportunity for them to actually win a game because the rest of their games aren't looking too – aren't looking too, too good right now, uh, in their favor at least. But, yeah, I will, uh, I'll, I'll go with the Lions. Jack, what is your, what's your score prediction? We go 27-24 Lions. Ooh, that's a little more scoring than I guess I would say. I'm probably going to go on the lower side. I'm going to say 20-17 to 17 Lions. All right. I think this is going to be a very low-scoring one and not expecting uh, not, not, not expecting to see a lot of offensive fireworks yeah. out of Jalen Hurts and Jared Goff, two elite passers in the NFL. Right, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, got any, uh, any locks this week in the NFL? All right, well, my cold, hard my Coors like cold hard prop of the week is going to be Eli Mitchell over 71 and a half rushing yards. Uh, they're really featuring him in the run game. He's he's getting all the carries. You're going to see Jimmy G again this week. Uh, I think they're going to have a lead against the Bears, so I think you're going to get, see him get the ball a lot. And I'm going to go with Eli Mitchell over 71 and a half rushing yards uh, at minus 114. You could also go Eli Mitchell. To score a touchdown and San Francisco to win, plus one nineteen, I think that's a great, a great plus money bet. Um, and then if I had to go with another, another lock, I will go with. Man, the Bengals number is juicy. Minus eleven at the Jets. I'm seeing ten and a half, but still, same, basically the same thing. Uh yeah, I'm gonna take yeah, that. Yeah. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna say Bengals minus eleven against the Jets. Starting Mike against White Mike at White. quarterback. Yeah, starting Mike White at quarterback. You know they might have to score twelve points to cover this number. So I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the Bengals minus eleven as my yeah. NFL lock of the week. I'll stamp that. I'll stamp that for our third SOP lock of the week. I was liking Bengals. I'm getting ten. I'm seeing ten and a half, but ten and a half, eleven, whatever you get it. I think the Bengals win this game by three-plus scores. They're red hot. The offense is cooking with, with Joey Buckets and Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase. I mean, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd really haven't done that much this year, but that's mostly because Jamar Chase has just been lighting it up. So I think that they'll be able to put up plenty of points. And the Bengals' defense, which has actually improved a decent bit from last year, will have a relatively easy time stopping Mike White and the dynamic Jets offense. Yeah. yeah. So I don't 
I don't expect that game to be close. So I will, I will hitch onto your wagon for that one, and we will, uh, we will, we will double stamp that. Bengals right. minus eleven. There's a and lot of agreement you, going on here. This could be very bad. This could be very bad, or or very could be very good. Yeah, very good. But it's it's time to put our nuts on the table and uh, <laughs> and just have this DSOP put its brain power together and try to get try to, to try to write this ship. But my other lock of the week would have to be oh, where is it? Where did I ever written down? Where ever written down? Here we go. Here we go. I like the Washington football team plus three at the Denver Broncos. Hmm. I just feel like this is an interesting pick. And I want a lot of people are probably staying away from, but I think Denver is really not a good team. I think that Teddy Bridgewater, the Teddy Bridgewater experiment has failed. Again. I mean, they just lost. Yeah. Again, they just lost to Case Keenum and Dearness Johnson. Shout out Dearness. Great game. But, the Broncos' three wins are against the Jags, the Jets, and the Giants. So, I mean, those are other than the Lions. Those are, yeah, I mean, that's those are the three worst teams in the NFL. Um, so not saying a whole lot. I mean, maybe the Dolphins too, but still, you have three wins against three really awful teams. And then when you played the Ravens, the Steelers, the Bra- Bra- the Browns, and the Raiders, they have lost, and they have lost pretty handily in a couple of those games. So I don't really have a lot of confidence in Vic Fangio and Vic Fangio and Teddy Bridgewater right now. And Washington has had a couple tough losses. They played some teams tough. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't really have a ton of confidence in this team. I don't think they're they're, they're world beaters. But I feel like Heineke and McLaurin and Antonio Gibson can put a good enough game plan together to at least keep this game close. And I think they they I think they're going to find it. It just seems like a weird NFL four o'clock game where they're just going to find a way to come out on top. Like a game that nobody particularly cares about, that's just going to have a weird scoring ending. And I think that the, the football team is going to end up on top. I don't know why. I just feel like they will. This is like a, a weird gut pick. I so that's my, that's one of my, and that's my second NFL pick. And then my third would probably have to be the Los Angeles Rams at the Houston Texans. I think that we, we, we both were liking the Rams line against the Lions last week when it was about 16, and they obviously didn't cover a lot closer of a game. But really, the Rams didn't look that great last week. I mean, they the offense kind of struggled at times until they turned it out at the end. The defense had a wee, wasn't really playing up to snuff. They missed a lot of tackles. They gave up third and longs. They obviously gave up that huge pass play to DeAndre Swift where he broke a bunch of tackles and took a, a screen for seven for that was like sixty some yards for a touchdown. And I just think the Texans are they're starting Davis Mills again. I I think they just traded Mark Ingram. Not to say like he's you know, not to say he's some kind of incredible running back, but I mean they're flirting David Johnson and Philip Lindsay out there. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in them. I mean they have one good wide receiver in Brandon Cooks and Jalen Ramsey will have no problem shutting him down. So I think this game could get ugly really quick. I just don't see how the, the Texans are going to be able to score the ball. And I think the, the Rams are going to come out and play a little bit more to their standards than they did last week or last weekend. When even though they won, they didn't look particularly 
particularly good, or at least as well as they had played previously. So I'm going to go with the Rams minus 16 at the Texans. Even though it's a huge line, I just feel like it's there's just I just feel like there's no way this game is close. But I don't know. I, we'll see. I agree. I can see it. I could see it, but I could also I could also have like a weird feeling that the Rams just like totally fall apart and the Texans just like mess around and win this game. <laughs> you ever know, like man. some ways you never know in the NFL, honestly. But that pretty much sums up my picks for this week's NFL slate. Jack, you got anything uh, left to say? Any any more betting tidbits? Or are you about all set? I'm all set, man. Go green. <laughs> okay. Big game this weekend. It should be an interesting podcast next week. We will see how the game turns out. It will answer a lot of questions. It will clarify what many of us have been wondering. And it will give one fan base an incredible joy for the next week. And it will give one fan base a, uh, a, a, a really tough, a really, a really tough uh, pill to swallow. And they're going to have to uh, eat some humble pie oh, yeah. going into uh, the back half of the season. But yep. big bragging rights on the table, big rivalry, you know, same old stuff, same old podcast. What, can, what else can you say? Right. It ought to be a good one in East Lansing. Jack won't be in attendance, but he'll be in the area. And we'll, uh, we'll have a lot. Pro- I would expect he'll have a lot to report on the scene in East Lansing, especially with not one, not two, but three game days there. Or not... <laughs> game days but three preview shows in attendance in East Lansing which I don't even where is the Barstool one you know Cedar Village where's that um it is by uh like the Snyder Phillips uh dorm I don't know I got um, no idea is yeah. that close to the stadium uh it's not far it's not far it's probably uh 15-minute walk to the stadium from there. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we will see. We will see. But I think that about sums up this week's episode, or this week's preview episode. Should be a good one tomorrow. Yep. Thank you again to all the listeners. And, uh, ooh, should be a doozy. Oh, Bring yeah. your popcorn, okay. in the words of Lane Kiffin. Hmm. <laughs> all, right. all right. Goodbye. Go green.